I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Friday morning up there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My good friend from the University of Tennessee alumni, Will Warren. Stats by Will.substack.com. Go subscribe today if you have not already. Type your email. That easy. That simple. No excuses to listen to the pod. Hit that pause button and go ahead and do that. And if you uh, do not hit that pause button and subscribe right this moment, then are we friends? Are we? Yeah. Are you, are you a loser? Are you a friend of the are pod? You, are you a big baby? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, subscribe before friggin' Elon uh, starts blocking Substack links on Twitter, which apparently is happening. Is it really? I, I cannot tell if people are being serious or not. I haven't tested it myself, but yeah. Uh, uh, my, uh, my man, Matt St. John from, uh, he does big East coverage DMs me this morning. He was like, Hey, just a heads up, buddy. <laughs> and it was like one of the Silicon Valley guys tweeting about it. So if you have, your mileage may vary, but, uh, mm. I will test later to see if this is real or not. Well, that'd be lame. Also not surprising. It'll probably just be like a substat or a Twitter blue feature. It's like to post outside links to your Twitter page. You're yeah, going to pay $500 a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not but, fun. But if you subscribe to the Substack, you just get the email. You don't have to go to the Twitter. That's true. That's true. Um, Will, how do you want to approach my rightness on this podcast? Not at all. So I went <laughs> to the Final Four. Well, because I was right all along that Alabama was not good. Uh-huh. Um, well, not good as relative. Though the man in front of me at the Final Four in Houston, who's an Auburn fan, kept telling me that he thought Alabama sucked all along. Mm. And I was like, uh, brother, look in the mirror because <laughs> um, your uh, your offense was not enjoyable at all. Um, you were there, man. So quick, we'll do a quick digression on this because mm-hmm. I, I actually do have a post coming out about uh, my experience of the final four this year. It's the first time I've ever attended. And it was quite like, it was enjoyable in its own right. Mm. But um, OK, the negatives out of the way first. Worst transportation city I have been in a very long time in Houston. Correct. Um, you have to get everywhere either by Uber or just like rent a car. And, uh, the only saving grace was the light rail, which was, mm-hmm. free, uh, but which was also packed to the gills because it was free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes a lot for me to be on a light rail and be like, Oh, Marta is so much better than this, but Marta is so much better than this. That's scary. Cause Marta is quite bad as a, a local AT alien and an original AT alien that, um, yeah, Marta is not great. It doesn't get Marta, you Marta to a lot of places easy, you need to go. Easy, hmm. which is sad. But uh, the yeah. actual experience is pretty good. 
Um, I will say if anybody is ever on the fence about attending a March Madness game, which I was a lot in years past because I hate the idea of missing the first couple days while you're in mm. an arena. If you go like second weekend or final four or whatever, amazing for this specific reason. No ads at all. Oh, the game. I get it, yeah. None. They mm. do like little, you know, like it, it sort of depends where you're at, but they'll just like show, you know, commercials from old games. So there's like a segment during UConn Miami where they were like, put the next five final four sites in order. Or, you know, like uh, figure out which uh, hat the ball is under. Those type of games. Mm. Like so much better than the 500th friggin' Buick ad with a Matt and Kim jingle uh, mm-hmm. being uh, bum, 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 that one. So much better. You got to go. Not but don't bad. go next year because it's actually in a worse uh, spot. It's in Phoenix, Ooh. Uh, which is, you know, no hate towards Phoenix, obviously. But the stadium is 17 miles from the city center. Hmm. which I did not realize until I looked it up on a map this week. Uh, and it's not like Phoenix is exactly a transportation haven. So, Yeah, you're going to be written a car in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, if I go. I don't know. Uh, mm. Spiders are too big there, frankly. You could drive. How long of a drive is that? Jesus, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's, that's at least Phoenix a two-day experience, correct? You would think. Say that one more time. That's at least a two-day experience, you would think. I think a lot of people would do that just so they can stop and see stuff. Um, I, th- I do think driving across Texas would be kind of fun. Oh, no. That's, I've actually heard, is the worst part. Because Texas is long, and you just keep going. And you keep going. It's a lot of... Uh, it is 20, it's an easy 26, 26 hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty easy two days. Mm-hmm. It's a chill two-day excursion. Oh, well, it actually doesn't look like you go through Texas at all, aside from the panhandle. So yeah. wrong. Huh. The more you know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can stop at UNM and see Richard Patino. Yes, you can. You can go there. It looks like you go through Oklahoma City. Mm. So there you go. Can, uh, Could you can see, see the or are you thunder. watching on the screen in the Final Four? Could you see what was happening? All right. So for and we can include a visual of this because I have a couple. Mm. I'll forward it to you. Uh, I was in the lower bowl corner. So last section before like what I would, you know, somewhat describe as like rich people seats. Mm-hmm. I paid 140 for my ticket, which I thought was a steal for a mm-hmm. final four Saturday. And so I, you know, I thought I was able to rationalize it away pretty quickly, but you can see enough. Mm-hmm. You cannot see everything. And so I was lucky that I was actually at the top of the section because if I had been lower, I would have, they have a deal where the corner is there. And then there's the sideline sections, but the corner goes below the way they've put the sideline sections down towards the floor. It's a different angle. Mm. So if you're at the, like past a certain row in that section, you cannot see the floor. You only see Jumbotron. Mm. It's really poorly done. Um, All in the name of money, of course. Yes. But uh, I was able to see Lamont Butler's game winner more or less dead on from the corner, which I thought was really nice. Hmm. Um, well, back to things that uh, you and I both love. Uh, Chase being right about the Final Four. Um, Look, I had them in the Final Four, too. You don't get to... Hold on. I also you had do your Miami little parade lap, but you did have them winning it all. And I had Miami in the Final Four. I had that exactly right. You had Miami out early. I had Miami and UConn on that side of the bracket, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your other half. Uh, my other half is just uh, irrelevant. <laughs> Erroneous. 
<laughs> not important. I, we, many are saying you only want to get one half of the bracket, right? Because anything further <laughs> is just uh, just showing off. Like you want to yeah. just get your half. It's all you really want. Really, if you can get two of the final four in a given year, you've done really well. Yeah. Um, well, UConn wins. Um, they win the national title. And I ask you, Will, were they the best team in college basketball this season? I think probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is like, and we sort of express this um, more or less throughout the season, minus the blip where I was convinced by Houston, perhaps mm-hmm. erroneously, um, that there was no best team this year. It was just like a collection of pretty good teams at the top. Like, no, I, w- I would say even though UConn won it all, I don't think they were elite but I think they were the best of a weaker than normal bunch. Mm. Um, and I think one thing we can take from this that is probably applicable to future seasons, and I think we kind of learned with Kansas a bit last year too, we've probably got to stop valuing conference play so much. Mm. Um, because if you just looked at conference play from UConn, uh, you would not have been really convinced that they were even going to make the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, they were they were solid. Don't get me wrong. Like they went 13 and seven against Big East opponents, but it wasn't like they were, you know, blowing anybody out. Obviously, they didn't win the Big East. Um, and they weren't even like I mean, they weren't even the, the f- third best team in Big East play. It was a uh, Marquette, Xavier and Creighton. Mm. So I, I think with that in mind, like, yeah. They probably were. We're going to have to start caring more about what teams do uh, prior to January. And I know, like, I did a big study on this of saying, you know, January, February are the least important months. And, like, yes, of course, UConn played well in February and onward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed like they were really left for dead for quite some time because they had that January blip on the on the schedule. Well, it's and, also that number. What was that thing where we saw? Like I cited early on uh, this podcast during the season, uh, early on with how the last time they started undefeated for as long as they did, they won the national title. Mm-hmm. That's where we got on it early, where I was like, oh, this is a UConn thing, where they just yeah. have the perfect season, everything goes their way, and now they're just going to disappear for another five years, and we'll see them again uh, at some point. But yeah, I don't know. Well, there they, was something, what was that stat? They start The only time they started... It was started, like 9 or 10-0. and 0. Yeah, and then they won the national title every time they've done that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think the only real contenders uh, to be with them in that spot were... And I still think UConn's probably the best of the bunch. But mm. like Houston, of course, Alabama pre-Brandon Miller thing uh, that we have been advised by legal to not discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and UCLA pre-Jalen Clark injury, I think, could have contended. I, I really would have loved to see full-strength UConn versus full-strength UCLA. I think that would have been a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't always get what you want in March. And... You know, despite them having the four seed tagged by their name, we were, I think you and I both were sort of pegging on along. Like, this team never fell out of, I think, the Ken Palm top six, yes. basically from Thanksgiving onward. And so they were coming into the tournament as a, as a four seed, but analytically they were a one. And so if you looked at it like that, then, you know, it made a lot more sense uh, when they not only made the final four, but obviously went on to win it all. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I just it, 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 they were the perfect team to win it all this year. And that like kind of what you were alluding to here, which is 
every like the pretty good teams were the one like just you just Mm -hmm. there were just so many pretty good teams that had flaws and then you're like oh the pretty good team that's deep that has just a bunch of guys that play together well and obviously they have the bigs they have the shooting there it was just the right mixture of just like they were the most solid the solid foundation uh team all across the board that they were just gonna do their thing and just quietly scuttle into the final four quietly scuttle into the national title and then you're like oh like i it it felt like a foregone conclusion that san diego state was not winning that game where it's like their thing was getting to the national title and beating fau and how big that was and then you're like oh this is where this is where it ends like i never for i'm not a betting man but if i were i would have put a heavy amount on uconn closing closing it out in the national title but i don't know i i do think folks you don't have to tweet about ratings you don't have to tweet about uconn having the uconn san diego state having the lowest rated uh national championship game ever because folks you don't make any money off that it doesn't affect you i've never understood the ratings folks who care about how things do like you know what one of my favorite shows of all time was firefly you know what got canceled after a season firefly (laughs) you know it didn't have good ratings arrested development Rest of development got canceled. Do you know why we don't care about stuff like that? Because it's like, if you like it and if it's good, who cares? Like, it, do not care about like the people watching the rehearsal, our show. Like, I don't yeah. know if it's going to get picked up. It doesn't seem like it's good. Who cares? Just enjoy the rehearsal this season. Like that. Wh- why do you care about ratings? It does not affect you. It does There's not affect not you. There's not a single person in that arena who gave a crap about ratings. Right. When that shot went down. Yeah. I mean, like. That was the thing to me is you heard all of this belly aching about, uh, oh, no, no, no top three seeds, no blue bloods. And it's like, mm. who cares? Like, it's the final four. I don't I don't belly ache at you when I see the same four damn teams in the college football playoff every year. Well, we do belly ache. Well, yes, that. but to myself. <laughs> yeah. I belly ache at the wall. Yeah. Um, Will, of the four final teams... Which are the which is the most likely to get back next year? None. <laughs> I don't think any will, but it's not because I think they're going to be bad. It's just it's so hard to do it two years in a row. You have to give one though. Who is the most likely based on who's coming back and what that their conference looks like? Who of the four? I mean, on paper, it's UConn. Hmm. Uh, just because you know, like if they can get Klingon to come back, hmm. that's going to be. Uh, I mean, that very well could just be the number one team again. Hmm. Uh, I mean, Sonogo is likely to come back for a senior year. Caravan comes back. Jackson, uh, they bring in Solomon Ball, who is a really good uh, freshman, as well as Stefan or Stephen Castle. I have yet to confirm this. Hmm. Um, yeah, if Klingon comes back, and then I know they're kind of waiting on if Hawkins returns or seems doubtful, uh, as well as a couple others. But I don't know, man. They just, it's, it, it is as of April 7th, the best roster of the four Hmm. beyond that i'm seeing a lot of fau buzz and i like it and i get it but it's really hard to repeat that and it's going to be even harder to repeat that and i understand cusu is very good this year but the american is a little tougher on the whole Hmm. even sans uh houston i would then and i don't like that i'm doing this go miami third Hmm. um Miami brings back almost 80% of scoring. I, I would like for them to play one defensive possession between now and next April. Uh, mm-hmm. That looks good at all, which they haven't. But when you can score the way they do, it doesn't matter. And they should return Wong. They should return O'Meara. 
Pack and Poplar are both likely to come back. So they very well could return four members of a Final Four starting five. Hmm. Uh, I mean, at minimum, depending on what Duke does this offseason, they should be considered the co-favorites in the ACC. Um, and then fourth, not out of any hate. I mean, I think they're still going to be top 25, but it's going to be tough when you lose Matt Bradley as San Diego State. That specific run is the hardest to repeat hmm. um, because, and we saw it happen, uh, holding four teams in any span of time to 17% from three, mm-hmm. not very repeatable. And it's not like, I, San Diego State fans were very upset at people pointing that out. And by all means, you should be upset because it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's not sustainable to hold teams 17% from three. Tennessee found that out this year. Teams have found that out since the beginning of time. So their offense would just have to be a lot better for me to uh, feel confident about another deep run. That's fair. Um, Team that lost early in the tournament that you think will have a a good shot at a deep run next year. I actually, I feel like I've got an easy one here and it's Arizona. Hmm. Uh, Just because I don't think Arizona is going to lose in the round of 64 twice. Um, You say that. I mean, they they return quite a bit. They get rid of uh, human enemy Kerr Kresa. Mm-hmm. By the way, I am thrilled to see how Bob Huggins deals with him. Did that, he ended up at West Virginia? He ended up at West Virginia. Okay. That is going to be such a fascinating dynamic to watch for four months. Because hmm. it, it it's either going to work brilliantly, and Bob is like, I see some of myself in him, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to kill him by January. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's... Or, like, Bob Huggins could be up for capital offense by then. <laughs> but, I mean, they bring back a lot of members of a top 10 team. Pelly mm. Larson should come back to Bellis, Umar Balo, Kylan Boswell. And they're supposedly going to get Ryan Nemhard from Creighton, who hit, who hit the portal yesterday. Mm. Uh, my man Eli Hershkovitz was saying he's been hearing a lot about that as of late of Nemhard going to Arizona. So... If he transfers there, that very well could be the best starting five in America. Um, hmm. I, I'm really excited to see that. The only other option I see here that makes sense to me would be Marquette hmm. um, because they return basically every single minute from a top 10, top 15 team this year. But then, I don't know, they at least made the round of 32. And so you're, then you're staking your claim on them at least making the second weekend. It's just easier to be like, hey, Arizona's going to win one March game next year. Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, the Pac-12, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds for them. Um, love my Pac-12. We I lo- love our Pac-12. Uh, how should the Vols approach the portal? Based on what you've seen so far, who they're attacking. I know you had uh, some analysis on the Harvard kid and his shooting and that just being like, uh, are we sure we... Ledlam, Hunter Ledlam, is that I think mm-hmm. is his name. Um, I was grinding that Northern Colorado guards tape this morning before we recorded. I was like, oh, Dalton Nett? What is it? Dalton... Da- how about know. Dalton, Connecticut? And he has his six best games of the year at the right time. Mm-hmm. Well, the That's man is fun. About. I'm actually in. I'm in on him. Like I would be all aboard that train. It looks like the Caleb Love thing's not happening. Uh, I didn't see. Thank him God. Up. We're gonna disagree on this. I, That'd be I fun. Really, I don't care. Throw him I in the incubator for a year. Dislike him in a Tennessee situation. Mm. I think he would be much better in an offense where it's just like you can iso ball. Like he would not be allowed to do that at Tennessee. 
Or he could, and Barnes adjusts. You sure about that? You, you know, how much? How much have you watched? <laughs> Too much. I feel like Tobias Funke. It didn't work for those people, but but it might work for us. Yeah. Um. Who like when you're looking at this, it doesn't seem like it's surprising who they're targeting. But yeah. how would you train? How would you target the portal? Is there certain names that you would go out that they're not going after? And like where where are their actual needs based on who's returning and what their rotation looks like next year? I actually did have some not disgust, but disappointment at how they were approaching the portal prior to this week. And I think mm. it's just another patience thing for me of i I knew in the back of my mind, like, yeah, not every player, a lot of players aren't going to enter the portal until after the season ends, mm. like the final four. And so, you know, the portal is still gaining names by the minute, basically. It, pr- it probably will not be done until end of April, I would guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it some time there. But if I were a staff member and I were outlining priorities, we're going to say, and this is all hearsay, so, you know, delete as needed. But what I have personally heard is that Vescovy is leaning towards coming back. Josiah Jordan James is not and both Euros and Kamwa are gone. Mm. Uh, obviously, Tyreek Key out of eligibility. That if Triple J leaves, as well as Julian, which I think everybody is assuming to be mm. like pretty much obviously the case at this point. Unless he gets like a second round grade. Like if he gets the... Yeah. Then he probably... Because like Kennedy Chandler, do you think he's back if he knew that he was going to fall to the second round? If it makes sense, Kennedy would come back, but Julian would not. Hmm. I don't think Julian very much enjoyed his time at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, how I would approach the portal. So we're going to say Tennessee. Wait, wait, two... One quick thing on the guys. Yes. Do you want Vescovy back? Yes. I think but so I want, too. I think I he's the one. Vescovy I don't want Josiah back. back. And I love Josiah Jordan James, but I yeah. think they need to. They, they need, need to ex- move on. Yeah. Um, I want Vescovy back exclusively as a shooter. Yeah. Uh, because I think we've seen enough to know he cannot create. Yeah, and he cannot do anything that requires him to go inside fifteen feet. It also just Except wears him down. He's having to do too much. Yeah, it's just not his thing. He can't be doing everything. He can't be your best spot uh, shooter and also your number one distributor. Like if, just... if he's if you're just like San- Santiago, stand on the wing and mm-hmm. wait for somebody to create for you. Perfect, bring him back. All I want. Order. He doesn't start though next year, right? Actually, I think he would. It, mm. it because he's the best. Uh, I mean, he is the best perimeter defender on the team. But you think he would like? Because I'm just thinking about the rotation. Because DJ Jefferson, it sounds like they plan on him being a rotation guy. Yeah. Um, Mayshack, I think, has done enough to be a starter at this mm-hmm. point. Ziegler, obviously, back. I'm just thinking like if Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips are gone, I guess you could go small. Like I would prefer them to do Mayshack, Santi, and Ziegler as a as your starting th- uh, just one through three. And then probably Tobe, you know, Barnes is going to start Tobe and Jonas. Like those two are starting at the four or five next year. Yeah, you know, that's happening. You need to prepare yourself for that. can't shoot together. You um, know, that's happening. So stupid. Anyway, uh, here's how I would approach it. I'm going to, I don't have this chart in front of me, but if, if I'm remembering this correctly, this scenario leaves uh-huh. Tennessee with two open scholarships. So, uh-huh. Number one, first and foremost, go get a starting level point guard. Mm. And this is not a slight at Sakai Ziegler at all. But the offense worked a lot better last year when it was Kennedy Chandler and Sakai Ziegler together, multiple yeah. point guards, than when it was just Sakai having to create for four other guys. Mm-hmm. 
the spacing was better, the shooting was better, everything was better. I have been, I was stunned to see this at first, and I guess we'll see how it develops, though people are oddly confident about it. Uh, Tennessee be so interested in Tyler Perry, who is transferring mm. from North Texas, would be an amazing fit in Tennessee's offense. Um, and considering he's coming from North Texas, we already know he can guard pretty well. Mm. Uh, so he's an ideal Tennessee fit in that regard. Might be the very best player in the portal, to be honest. Um, would love to see Tennessee go and get a guy like that who can create for himself, can create for others, can shoot it really well. Basically, Ziggler plus two inches. Hmm. And if you have Ziggler plus, I know like it's not ideal by any stretch to start a 5'9 and a 5'11 guy together. Hmm. But you don't have to start them together. You can just like have lineups at select times that have them both on the court. And they're really freaking deadly, you know? That would be my first hope is like go and get a portal point guard like Tyler Perry, Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky, perhaps Damian Dunn from Temple, those types of guys where they can create for themselves and for others. And it's not just one guy on the entire team hmm. from the backcourt that can touch the paint. I think Tennessee may just get natural help in this regard anyway next year from Freddie DeLeon. Mm. Uh, and obviously Mayshack can drive it fairly well, but uh, Mayshack as a ball handler is not my favorite thing in the world. Frankly. But if he's your third, fourth ball handler? Fourth. That's okay. I think fourth. Uh, yeah. That's best for mental health. Um, <laughs> but he gets to the rim. The, he, hey, he can get to the will. rim. Like he does get to the rim, and we need that. When he gets to the rim, it's beautiful. Yeah. The part where he gets to the rim is the adventure. <laughs> um. So so obviously so I'm going to say starting portal point guard first. Mm -hmm. Second, and again we're going to assume two open scholarships here. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a starter, but like a seventh man wing. Hmm. Like a, a six six guy that can shoot Dalton neck Dalton Connecticut whatever his name is yeah I don't know um, how to pronounce his name yet if he gets to Tennessee guy, I'll learn that guy makes a lot of sense yeah um but he's they not take the three only... portal guys hmm? they have the space for three portal guys because if they're getting at least one big which seems like that's non negotiable for Barnes is they're getting they a big can, uh, I'll say they can make the space for three portal guys I was gonna say who's getting <laughs> who's getting pushed out I don't know B J uh, Edwards I guess still on B J Edwards um, yeah we hardly knew you. Uh, mm. like really um so i want like, him to go to Asheville. Go that should be the thing that's the pipeline is i think if you don't make the tennessee rotation you get sent to Asheville for yeah. a year or two and then it's like because i would welcome pimber back for one more year in a year like if he's going back like it's just a grad transfer bring him back yeah. like he goes and develops at unc <laughs> Asheville and their style their five out basketball and then you come back i'm here for it yeah all right so i would go for a six so you're looking for like dalton whatever um mm -hmm. like nick timberlake from towson would be quite the move uh tj bomba from washington state i don't think he would be interested in coming here but it's worth a swing mm -hmm. uh eli lawrence at mtsu or personal favorite because he is like he does the vescovy thing but plus four inches uh bryce williams from charlotte mm -hmm. uh six seven guy that shot 40 percent from three this year and mm -hmm. is a really good rebounder Sounds like a very good Tennessee style individual to me. Texas and Texas Tech made two official hires since we last recorded. Well, I want to mm -hmm. ask you, Clairvoyant, Will Warren, of the two, who will end up being better three years from now when we're doing this podcast and being like, what happened here? 
relative to school and historical expectations, it's going to be McCasland at uh, mm. Texas Tech. I, I feel bad for Rodney Terry because I think he's stepping stepping into maybe not a true no-win situation, but a more difficult situation than I think he ever could have envisioned his next head coaching job being. Mm. Um, because you are the guy after the, you know, in theory, guy. Mm. And for better or for worse, a guy who got cleared of his um, misdoings uh, by the legal system. And there's going to be some Texas fans, hopefully not many, who are like, why did we fire him for this guy who just, you know, kept things going instead of improving? But I, I think the, 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 the real problem for Rodney is not just, you know, how do we keep it going? But this coming year, I'm looking now, they project to return 80, just 13% of their scoring, losing 87%. Hmm. Uh, not great for a true year one situation. No. And so I, my fear is that if he, the first like down year he has, because this is probably a relatively inexpensive for Texas contract, they're going to be like thinking about the chopping block. Um, and it's unfair to him, but that's unfortunately just the way it is at a high profile university that's going to be moving conferences soon, has all the money in the world, and essentially can hire just about anybody they want. I mean, we are not that far removed from seriously talking about them hiring John Calipari. Hmm. Like, that's how much money they have. I mean, they, they, I mean, some of them thought they could hire Brad Stevens. Well, uh, I think, I wonder too, it's like, did Rodney get, I wonder if there was like a quiet, just he has to get to a certain round um, mm -hmm. to make this work. And he just kept winning. And I, it's, just so cynical, but I just, my gut tells me they did not want to do this, but it was just too far down the line and they yeah. did it. And Rodney is one of those guys who deserves another chance. Like he's been an assistant for a long time. Um, obviously a good recruiter. Like I think Texas doesn't miss a beat there, but we'll see because like you said, there are other issues at play, which is like Chris Beard was the guy for them and the circumstances were uh, involving him moving on. It's just, he's not going to get a fair shake by a portion of the fan base. Like that is just a part of this deal is like, he's just not going to do that. I wish he had parlayed his run into another job. That would have been great. Yeah. Like maybe even Texas tech, like if you parlayed this and then Texas tech just hires him away or something like to get away so that he's not the guy replacing beard under those circumstances. Like, I think that would have been ideal for both parties. Cause I just, my gut tells me it's not going to work. My in a lot of these trend, like interim two head coaches, just it it's not a it's not a great track record there uh, over the course of history. And it's just also a better situation for McCaslin because yeah, the guy before you, the thing everybody's going to remember is that he said uh, slaves should serve their masters. Um, so instantly you are better than that as yeah. long as you don't put your foot in your mouth on day one. I mean, yeah. And who was it who said that they really like McCaslin higher? I was listening to another coach talk about that. It was that, Will or, Warren. Um, well, Will Warren. But there was someone who was <laughs> talking that up. Was it Barnes? Who was that? Who was talking up McCaslin? Um, it wasn't Barnes. Oh, it was uh, Kansas State's coach. It was... Uh, oh, Tang. Yeah, he was talking about, like, love that hire. I was like, I know someone was just talking about that. It's actually a funny story. I was with... When I was in Houston, I was talking to a guy who apparently used to work for Houston Sports Radio, but... Yeah, big sports radio guy here. Mm. Um, 
but he was like convinced me on McCasland and uh, I did my part. And then uh, Jim Root, uh, second chance points on Twitter, walked by and he was like, yeah, McCasland rocks. Mm. So it seems like people are generally all in on him. And I figure like if you can win at North Texas, which is not a school with great funding at all, mm. um, like you have to, my theory has always been, you've got to win weird mm-hmm. at certain schools and Texas Tech is one of those schools. So also- I, I have a question about North Texas. Love the main yes. green. Mm-hmm. Love that. Great uniforms. Great thing. They used to just say mean green on the side of their helmets. Like they just led into the mean green. And as a connoisseur of the, the what is it? Big green, the soccer movie from the mid nineties. What was it? The mean green, the big, I think it was called the big I've green. I've never heard of this. Hold on. The big green. You watch the big green. The big green. The 1995 big green. film. Oh, no, I've never seen it. And it's this. in a small a... Texas town. I I feel like I didn't even put two and two together. The big green had to be where they got uh, the idea. For is, it, is the kid from the Sandlot taking a soccer ball to the nuts in this? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Fascinating. Bug Hall, I think, is in it. That's a ridiculous name to have. Bug Hall. It's, <laughs> it's almost as ridiculous. So there's a man named Chauncey Leopardi mm-hmm. who is also in this movie. Yeah. Really? It's a great oh. film. Like the kids starts uh, uh, the Sandlot kid sees like the knights as like uh, actual knights at one point, and uh, the sheriff is the coach is, or helping, and then like a teacher is helping. They have a goat involved. They paint the goat green. Huh. Not to spoil the 1995 cinematic classic, will but it's a great. Common Sense Media gave the Big Green three out of five stars, listing it as the third best soccer film made for kids. Boom. Facts well, only. Well, now I want to know what one and two are. That's Angels in the or soccer movies. Yeah. Air Bud Golden Goal. Um, what are the other kids soccer movies? I'm trying to think. Air Bud has to be number one. Right. I think that was the third one because I think they did first was basketball, obviously. Second was football. Golden retreat or golden receiver. Um, big Air Bud guy over here. Uh, I can't but, find. Where is there? Let's see. Okay, That's... it seems like they've made some. Uh, yeah, Airbud World, World Pup. Pup. World Pup. Oh, uh, they're probably gonna do switching goals with the Olsen twins. Never saw that one. Um, I don't see a lot. There's not a. Oh, kicking and screaming. Is that a kids one though? It's probably a little. Shaolin soccer is good. I don't know what that is. That that is a good movie, from my memory at least. Shaolin soccer. Yeah, Shaolin soccer. Hmm. I don't know what that one is. I'll have to look that one up. It's like soccer players and martial arts uh, students <laughs> coming together. There you go. Um. There you go. Uh, I like it. So there you go, folks. Your homework for the weekend. Go revisit <laughs> uh, the Big Green and let us know what you think. Is it worthy of a top three? ranking in common sense media's uh kids soccer movie rankings it's famously important. reliable website <laughs> will final question stat of the final four for you was what uh well it's kind of got to be that san diego state never led in the second half hmm. at least while the clock was running as opposed to when it's not running yes uh, as opposed to 0.0, 0 mm-hmm. on the the big one. 
The, so in real time, I will say I thought it was a lot closer getting it off than it really was mm-hmm. because it just gets everything's happening. And I don't know, you have no idea where where the clock was when he shot it. You just hear the buzzer go off. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched the video, there was like, oh, he got that off by a full second. What was I worried about? And I also have to admit, I was subconsciously rooting for San Diego State while there because shockingly they had far and away the most vocal fan base of any of the four teams really like easily the loudest the how many UConn dunkin donuts were a little more reserved did you see for the yukon fan base where there's some some dunkin fans just some yeah iced iced coffees anywhere they bring the dunkin no i did see i saw dan hurley's wife uh out and about a couple times during the week uh-huh. uh big home filled apparel lady first off so shout out to her um but uh incredible drinker i have to say Interesting. Now, i don't think i'm even putting her on blast here i feel like she's pretty open about it hmm. uh that lady can slam a bud light <laughs> <laughs> where were you like was she like at the sport bar with you like what uh, was that? yes we were at the same bar oh because it was for a field of 68 thing and she came in rob doster got her to come over mm. and uh she like uh I won't go into detail, but yeah. she had a couple of drinks while she was there in her like 30 minute visit. It was they seem like a cool hang. No, they seem awesome. She was very kind. That's good. Uh, I like that. Um, well, there you go, Will. Stats for will.substack.com. What do you want to plug as we wrap up here uh, on this fine? Not fine. It's rainy. It's cold. And I thought we were done with all of this. And it's yeah, just, this is a it's miserable not, Friday. Actually. It really is. Sorry, folks. Um, I, I have nothing. Well, actually, I'll have a final four recap up. Probably today, April 7th, if not April 8th. Uh, but a lot of off-season content coming. I'm going to interview some coaches. We're going to do some deep dives on various offenses and defenses. Uh, and then I've got a few off-season projects people have requested that I'm going to see what I can do on. Just stuff that pe- I get a lot of DMs during the season. Like, have you ever looked into this? And it's like, no, I haven't. That would take two weeks to do. But once April hits, I can. Mm-hmm. So I have to start working on some of those. But yeah. If you sign up now, you'll get all of that. And then for the next seven months until basketball actually returns, hopefully it'll make you a little smarter fan. There you go. There you go, folks. Well, that is it for the college basketball season. Our last regular season, postseason college basketball podcast on this very program. Now we get into the offseason and Mm -hmm. uh, some fun ideas and all that good stuff that we need to uh, parse through here. Um, and we'll do so as, uh, as we always do on this program. Will Warren, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, we're back. Prince Power Hour! On a Friday afternoon. A little bit different time that we're recording this, but same same duo, same group. I was going to say duo, but same trio, excuse me, mm-hmm. here. And Brian, you took your daughters to a Preds game last night. How was that? What is it like to prepare me for the future of taking a kid to a professional sporting event, especially one that you like? How do you how do you approach it as a dad? Um, I approach it just. I mean, I I just I left my my I work I, I work writing about the Preds at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was good there. I, I figured, you know, my youngest is excited about everything and she gets a little fidgety sometimes, but you know, I thought she'd be fine. My oldest 
she has to be into something a lot for it to like matter. Otherwise, she gets bored and hmm. you know huffs and puffs. And within probably the first five minutes, she was standing yelling, trying to learn chants. So it, were, it went out, it went really really well. Um, you know, it was it was really great. Uh, one of the things I learned was is that you can pay for tickets if you're you know, but if you've got your credentials with you, which I use just from my media discount on stuff, uh, they just won't check your ticket anywhere. So, <laughs> huh? Granted, I did pay for tickets last night. So before that anybody doesn't gets... necessarily mean that's where you ended up once you got in said building. Nope, nope. Actually, our seats were the seats I got were perfect. We were up okay. on the third level, but uh, we were in the very front row, mm-hmm. right up right behind the. Um, the attacking uh, end for the first and third. So I could see, I saw basically when the puck sat there and spun on the line and didn't cross, <laughs> like we saw it. My, my daughter even saw it. She was like, is that in? I was like, it has to cross the line completely, which that message didn't get out to the thousands of people around me screaming <laughs> about it, but no. that's okay. There you go. But, yeah. I love times. it. I love it. Jeff Middleton also here of, let me check my notes here, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Jeff, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I, uh, I had a fun experience last night at the game too. Yeah. Oh, you were there too. Yeah. Did you uh, see each other? No, I didn't we know didn't. The game. What? I was. What? Okay. But anyway, I was there too. I was right. I, I'm across from you. I was like right across from where you were sitting, Brian. Oh really? Um, yeah, I was with my dad, and uh, we had we had an experience last night. The guy in front of us was. He started off doing well, and then he Uh-oh. had some beverages, and he was yelling, and he was. He didn't know much about what was going on. He he had it. I mean, he had an older jersey, and he knew kind of what the rule names were, but he didn't know really any of the players. He knew that there were a bunch of young guys, but he didn't know there were a bunch of players with like a bunch of the names of the young players. And uh, yeah, by the uh, second period, I was about fed up with the stuff that he was saying because none of it was really te- like he couldn't really understand any of it. But it was fun nonetheless. It was a uh, crazy game much more mm-hmm. crazy than i thought it would be but yeah i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit man i uh <laughs> i was at a high school uh oak ridge game two years ago and it's something that we clipped and in, in my family group chat we will send to each other but there was a guy in front of me an older gentleman who oak ridge super fan mm-hmm. uh yelling at high school kids uh you guys are awful um, was like his thing yep. and I got it recorded where and we just clipped it to you guys are awful um, <laughs> well, if we ever need a laugh but like just I'd never understood it I'm not a boisterous dude especially not at games I don't yell at people especially college kids or high school kids which I thought was just un- universally understood was just maybe don't yell you guys are awful to yeah. some 15 year olds 16 year olds like that <laughs> might not be the healthiest way to go about things but yeah, it's always weird being around them at uh, events and games and stuff like that. It's just, it it just feels like a completely different type of human being. Like I just, it's not me at all. I can't really. Yeah, the, the crazy part is that these people they they leave that event and then they go have a life. Mm-hmm. Like I have to think about that. He's when like he's a pro- spending... he's a programmer. He's like a senior vice president of. Yeah, like, like he he goes translate? he yeah. has a job and he he may or may not have a family with kids or whatever, mm-hmm. but he. They go from this sporting event where they're so loud and obnoxious and annoying to a lot of the people around them. Like, it wasn't just us. It was a lot of the people kind of around us, too. We were all kind of giving each other looks. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they go from this where they are the most boisterous people and they go out into the real world and they just have a job. And they wake up and they put their pants on and they go to work. Like, it's... (laughs) 
It's mm-hmm. crazy. Hey, Sally, how about that rain last night? Huh? I know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. That's, but it's true. There are so many, like the Twitter people, the anonymous faces. And mm-hmm. then they're like, just the word. And you're like, oh, that person could just be like, uh, I could walk by guy. that person tomorrow. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Social yeah. media has made it even weirder. Brian, do you prefer going to games as a fan or on Radio Row? That's a good question. I yeah. Like um, I mean, it, it is a really cool experience because, you know, when, when, at working there me, as media, you know, just walk straight in, breeze through security, get up there, get to be wherever, get talking to the guys. That's great. I am there to work, though, um, mm. which is fun because even when I wasn't there working or before credentials, I was still sitting in front of my laptop for most of the games or tweeting from my phone. Uh, so it wasn't too much different, but it was nice to uh, just not have to worry about recapping, not have to keep track of stats, um, you know, things like that. It was, it was, it was nice. I got to cheer. I had to train myself to cheer, and I got to wear a Predators jersey outside of my house for for the first <laughs> time in forever. So that was good. There you go. I like. And I managed it. not to spend like two hundred dollars on on merch for the kids, so that's also good. That's uh, it. And my wife was like, "Should I buy this eighty dollar Peachtree uh, City Hawks jersey?" When we were at the Hawks game back in Atlanta a couple months That's ago, not like, bad. man. But it's one of those where it's like it can get up quickly. It can uh, it can get up quickly because they're cool looking jerseys and it's uh, yeah, merch is you cool. See my my collection down here. It looks good. Yeah. How many jerseys uh, is that total? Because I see the uh, at Knoxville, the Tennessee Hockey University of Tennessee Hockey. I think that's. I have 13. Some of them aren't over there, but you don't want to hear how many jerseys I have. Yeah. See, I mean, I just got into the, into the hobby. Yeah. It's uh, so fun. Four years ago. It's fun, but it's, it's, it drains you really badly. Yes. These yes. Things, even, even now with my discount, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's, it's yeah. a, good, a good amount of money. I mean, shoot. Um, you know, I bought one a few, about a month ago for, uh, my new baby niece who came this morning. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, awesome. Callie. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I did all the work. Thank you for the congratulations. <laughs> um, Quinn's but, a cool name. I like that name. Yeah, and uh, and got her got her a little baby Roman Yossi jersey, and that was more expensive than you might imagine. So probably a safe. Like that's a good question. Who's the safest Preds jersey buy in over the next five years? Like who's most li- like if you're going to spend 120 dollars on a jersey with a name on the back for the Preds right now, who's the safest jersey buy? Philip Forsberg. Roman That'd Yossi. be my answer. Roman Yossi or Phil Forsberg. I think those would be... Hmm. You have to pick Novak. one, though, of the two. Tommy Novak, yeah. Tommy Novak's a good pull right now. <laughs> yeah. Buy low. Just really get on that uh, before it really... I would have Before the season, I would have sent Matias Ekholm, too, but shows what I know. Or I love that nobody said UC Soros here. Because we've talked about this. and Yeah, yeah it's, he's not a safe buy. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my mind, he is, but, you know, not everybody agrees <laughs> with that. Um, well, the Preds, um, fight as fans, uh, might to keep the Nashville Predators out of the playoffs. The Predators have decided we won't die. We just rise. We are, we're going to bring you into the slop and we are going to find our way into the 2023 postseason here. Um, big wins against Vegas, big wins against, uh, Carolina. Jeff, how did they do it against vegas this week uh tommy novak <laughs> that was, i mean he was so good and he's been so good but uh you know he's he's just hit a different level and as much as i i don't think this is a, a level that's going to be consistent if he can even just like a downgrade on this level like it's not 
a bad thing. He'll be he'll be useful for a while, and he's shown this year and even last year that you know he's super effective offensively. The defense could use a little work, but that's okay as long as you. I mean, if you put him with with uh, Sherwood and Evangelista, like I'm totally okay. That line, I, I keep telling my dad, like I, I that line has been a line where. I think it's the most consistent line that they have right now. Like every night that line just goes to work and it seems like they always have the puck and it's 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 super impressive. Um but yeah, I mean they took advantage they you know they went up two nothing early against Vegas. Um they looked good in the first period I thought. I thought um, you know, they did well to kind of stop Vegas from doing what they do best and that's control the puck. Um but then you know, Vegas just did what they do best, and they controlled the puck. You know, Alex Petrangelo scored two goals, and, you know, there was a part in that third period where they they had the puck for, I don't even remember how long it was, but there was, it was, a I think Igor Afanasiev, they mentioned on the broadcast, had almost a three-minute shift yeah. because he couldn't change. Um, so, I mean, they just, they just did kind of, they played their game, and, and the Preds were kind of scrambly, and, you know, thankfully goaltending was able to step up that night you know Vegas I, I think you know Vegas was the better team by a pretty fair margin over the entire course of the game um, but you know the Preds the Preds came out on top they uh, they got a huge win in overtime shout out to Cody Glass for scoring against his former team mm-hmm. um, the team that gave up on him um, and shout out to Jonathan Marcheseau for taking a dumbass penalty so yeah salty and, and name and uh, and firing the puck at Tomasino after taking the said dumb penalty. Mm-hmm. So, really good go. sportsmanship there. Uh, Brian, what was yeah. the biggest win, the bigger win between Carolina and Vegas for you? Um, I'm gonna say Carolina just because mm. of what they've ha- what they had to face. So they've played Carolina twice this season, mm. and in those two games, you see Soros. <laughs> faced a hundred shots against in two two games a hundred shots against 67 which was uh, a franchise record back on january 5th and then 33 last night which was annoying because when the game ended they were stuck at 32 Mm -hmm. i had i'd had the tweet and the stat ready to go and i'm just like come on my ocd really needs this to be rounded up and then about 10 minutes after the game there was a score change and it added that extra shot on so i was like yeah got it so uh but yeah uc saros i mean a hundred shots 97 saves that's that's math that anybody can do as far as the percentage i mean just incredible stuff i mean he, they got the preds were more than doubled in the in the uh, season series they doubled shot attempts all uh, more than doubled on shots four uh, i think they are about nine and a half to 6.3 expected goals overall but the one stat they didn't outdo nashville in and the one that matters is goals which was eight eight to three over this and and you know this is carolina they are a heavy like a high you know they're the game coursey. That's kind of the, one of their one of their big uh, you know calling cards is lots and lots of shot attempts. And um, you know Carolina has been a team that has really put a beating on Nashville quite a bit in the last three or four years, especially in the COVID season when they were division rivals. Um, so it was really good to see that. But you know it's going to be it's difficult to really point at a, a player in the game, at least a skater in the game, because they were outdone pretty much top to bottom. There really wasn't much where one guy separated himself or had done a really great job. It was really solely just uh, all on the shoulders of UC Saros. And it was other than, I mean, he had just a, just a brilliant game. And, um, you know, we got to see your goal scorers were Michael McCarron and Mark Jankowski and Dante Fabro. I mean, so 
it's it's it really is a toss up because there's, there's not you know there there are some lines that you see that are consistent. Usually it's that Evangelista Novak and Sherwood shout out Kiefer, my boy. Um, but like you know the be- the the predator with like the the best like you know advanced metrics was Rasmus Asplund. So sure, why not? Um, it's wor- whatever they're doing. It's it's kind of working. Um, they blocked <laughs> like twenty eight shots or something last night. Um, but I think the bigger key besides Soros was looking at the uh, penalty kill. So when Nashville, I think they had what two or three penalties, if I remember correctly, and um, Carolina didn't have a single shot attempt during the during the power play. Uh, they had four minutes of power play in the game, so two of them. Uh, they actually did get one shot in. Actually, they've changed that now. Um, or they got a shot attempt, but they did not get a shot on goal. Nashville got one shot on goal, and as I said, that was Jankowski with his goal. So, you know, the penalty kill has been massive, and a lot of it is thanks to Saros, who's the best penalty-killing goaltender in the entire league. Um, and But, like, they were just doing a tremendous job. Now, it did help that, you know, Carolina seemed content firing everything either into the chest of UC Saros or into the feet or legs of, of the Predators, but... You know, they, they did, the Predators did what they needed to do, you know. They 74 shot attempts and only 33 shots. So that's that's less than half of their shots actually got to UC Saros. So, you know, it's it was something about the defense. I mean, again, they allowed a lot, but they kind of kept them outside of those quality zones quite a bit. So uh, it was it, it was an interesting game. They win these games kind of differently, but kind of the common thread, too, is just it's UC Saros being an absolute freak. They... they they remind me of obviously obviously they're a way better team but they last night they reminded me a lot of the Peter Laviolette Preds like they took a lot of shots from the point and they were blocked a lot um like obviously Carolina is different in the sense in the sense that they don't just shoot those shots from the point but you know they just it was weird like I and I will also mention that last night the the Hurricanes I think had like over 12 minutes of offensive zone possession time and the Preds had like five and yep. the Canes don't have Andrei Svechnikov which is huge mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean it just felt like they weren't they weren't getting the kind of quality shots that you'd think they could um, mm. and I think that's both a testament to the, the Predators defense even though there were lots of times during the night where they could have been better you know they, mm. they were blocking shots a lot and they looked really good um, you know, when it came to closing out on shooters and stuff. But, um, you know, I, it, it felt like the Canes weren't kind of doing what we all expected them to do either. I don't know. I just I walked in there and I was expecting I was expecting that kind of possession, but I wasn't expecting those kind of, that shot selection as much as they chose to do it. I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but. Hmm. Well, there you go. And the Preds are now um, what is basically what has to happen um brian for the preds to end up making the playoffs what the rest of the way needs to happen yeah so uh entering going into last night they sat at 16 percent, which that mm-hmm. went up quite a bit after the win over vegas and uh the win calgary beating winnipeg in regulation so they sit at 88 po- uh, 88 points um they're one point behind calgary and winnipeg they do have a game in hand on on calgary and their next two matchups are against at winnipeg and at calgary so um, they moved into basically at this point now, even though they're sitting at 16%, uh, they actually have control of the, uh, their playoff destiny. Uh, they can win. If they win out, there's 
a pretty like a ninety eight percent chance that that gets them into the playoffs, hmm. um, which is a big it's a big ask. But you know, it's it's something that is is possible. Calgary actually because they only have the three games left. Uh, they kind of have lost control of, you know, they have to do the best they can and then wait to see. Hmm. Um, so, you know, Winnipeg is the biggest, is the biggest uh, you know, rival for that. They're currently favored for the spot, I think, sitting somewhere around 60-something percent, 63 percent. Um, but what happens is big, the big thing really is the Winnipeg game. And that can probably tell you, you know, after that game, you should probably be able to know if they're going to be in, make it in or not, or at least if they're not going to, because their chances... Um, went up to 24%, and if they beat Winnipeg in regulation, it goes up to about 44%. Uh, an overtime win, I think, puts it at like 39, which is kind of rough because mm. they'll be tied with Winnipeg there. Um, but if they lose in regulation, they drop from 24% to 6%, you know, chance to make the playoffs. So those two games uh, at Winnipeg and uh, at Calgary, the biggest, uh, the biggest things that they've got coming up. But one of the good things is, yes, uh, I think... Winnipeg and Calgary play Vancouver and San Jose, um, I think. So they've got some easy ones on there, but they've lost some easy ones recently. And uh, they play, they have two games after Calgary's final game, and they have one game after Winnipeg's final game. So they will know what they need to do to get past either both of those teams, either twice or, you know, or once on that last day of the season for them. And they've, they, they end at home against uh Minnesota and then Colorado. So we'll see if these teams are all are still playing for something. I think Minnesota definitely will be. Uh, Carolina, it's it's starting. I've, I've t- said all season it's going to happen. They're going to come back. They're going to kind of get get into the playoffs and then start you know laying waste to people out west. And I think that's still going to happen. So um, you could know, they rest anybody down the stretch here? Who's that? The Preds. Like we're seeing that with the Bruins a little bit. Is there anyone they could rest? Who is there, anyone? Who is there to rest? I don't Who know. Who are they going to replace? You uh, see, the, the, the admirals are the, the admirals are already sitting at like bare bones. They got like four mm. guys on ATOs. Um, you know, the good news is that Nashville doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, I think the the admirals will get all those guys back for the last two games of their season and heading into huh. their playoffs. So the little you know, things, the little things, yeah. But you know, I we've been saying it for what months now. That it's just like it's not. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to do it. There's no way. I was wrong, and uh, you know. I was wrong about Kevin Lankinen. I was wrong about a lot of these things. So I fully turned around and I'm banging the drum for the playoffs because it's low stakes. Nobody's expecting them to do anything else. I think it'd be fun to see. I think it'd be cool for all these younger players to get the playoff experience. They get the. I think if Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs, I think Nashville has the longest playoff uh, streak so far. Hmm. So if they do that, that'll be cool to rub it in to the to the pens. Um, Who do we think they would get in the matchup right now? If you had almost to almost certainly Las Vegas. Okay. Vegas is sitting in the. Uh, they're pretty pretty far in control of the number one seed in the, in the West. I think that the, a couple of teams could kind of catch them, but I think they're in a really good spot. So, yeah, most likely it would be Vegas, which would be fun. Which would be a really fun series to watch. I think a team they just beat. Jeff, how many games do you think uh, it goes in a Vegas Preds series round one? Five. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Preds in five, right, Jeff? Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it didn't go five, why would it not? If it went it six went or seven, <laughs> if it went longer, what happens in the Preds' favor? I mean, if that means that UC Saros stayed healthy this time. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe, they, they, maybe they've got, you know, uh, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi back. Um, mm. You know, we're not going to see Joey. Um, 
I don't think we're going to see Duchesne, especially if that story is true about how when he, uh, when he got hit in the finger really bad and he shook off his glove to tell them on the bench that it was there. Apparently, according to somebody, that his fingertip was still inside the glove when he took <laughs> it off. So, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely injuries something. are gnarly, man. Like, it's just, they're a different type of, different type of injury. Jeff, have you had a bad hockey injury? Hold on. I got to get my dog. My dog is We can't hear it. Don't worry, man. Yeah, we really can't no, hear it. No, he's like, really? Yeah, we yeah, can't we hear, can hear it. it. You can't hear that? No. Mm-mm. No, we can't wow. hear it. Wow. Okay. Well, never mind then. Okay. Edit that out. But, no, you're uh, um, let's see. I haven't had one that is, you know, fingertip on the glove kind of bad. Um. I had one. I was. It was a playoff game. JV is my second year. I still. I wasn't very good. Still, I was better, but I wasn't very good. Um, and I was. My brother had the puck, and he was skating up. Um, he was skating the puck up the the ice, and there was a defender on him. And I kind of got out of the way. I kind of like shifted out of the way. Mm. And um, the defender who was on him reached for the puck, and his shoulder hit me. And it took my leg out, and I fell backwards, and my right leg went under me. Nope. And it like crushed my leg under my my, and I thought I broke my leg. Like I have a oh. video of it. My mom got a video of it, and there's a there's a I have a screenshot of it where the, the leg is like under me. It, I don't oh. know if you saw the Tanner Janot injury last night, but it was like that. Oh. Um, but yeah, I got I I went off the ice. I didn't play the I. I didn't think I played the rest of the game or I got like one shift. I don't know how I didn't. Honestly, I, I came up. I was like, I definitely broke my leg because I couldn't move it. So what ended up happening? Did you just, you just got lucky. It was fine. It, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I have no leg. I have no just right leg now. <laughs> you know, before we move on from this, let me tell you. So they have, um, they're sitting at 88 points. They got the eight games left. So they could theoretically finish with a max of 96, which hmm. is one of the reasons why they've got control over Calgary who goes at 95. Um, but let's say they win three, which should be still pretty good to give them a good chance. That put them at 94 points. And I was trying to think about a looking back in past playoff seasons about a time a team kind of needed the last like three or four games of the season to clinch a playoff spot. Um, and they ended up in the eighth seed with 94 points. And that was the 2016, 2017 Nashville Predators. So, mm. I know, Jeff, it's killing you, but... It's killing me. But you know what? I, I know it's fun. I'm, I'm totally willing to admit that it is so fun <laughs> and that the narratives are strong and whatever. I love that. Like, that's, that's great because it gets more people involved because they remember that and whatever. And hey, but they oh have the God. biggest thing going for them, too, uh, which Nashville didn't have in previous playoffs, um, an injured Ryan Johansson. That is... So, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes. Um, yeah. Brian. Yep. Has... John Hines done enough to get another year on the bench. <laughs> Here we go, yeah. baby. Yeah, this one, this one was fun to put on there. Um, so it's it's hard to say because again, a lot. The main argument is is that whatever you think of the job he's done since the trade deadline, they he you know he's partially the reason why they were in the position they were. Um, you know, and that and that's a valid argument. Uh, you know, it's this team. This team has not gotten necessarily better. Uh, since since you know everything started happening, they sold at the deadline and everything. But you know, I think that they got a lot of new energy in there. There's not as much, you know, they're starting slowly to start playing into into Heinz's system a little bit more. 
Um, but, you know, the penalty kill has gotten better, which is kind of crazy to me. Then you're doing that with a bunch of replacements. Um, but, again, even though, you know, they're in that position because of the bad start, it's, you know, John Hines, at the, by the deadline, pretty much knew that his time was, was up, I think. Um, I think that if it was, to me, I, th- I think he knows that, you know, something's getting ready to happen. Um, and he didn't have to go out and do this the way he is, you know. But I think that it's a credit to the guys that these are all young guys. And, you know, Hines had a reputation of not really giving a lot of opportunities and time to younger players, as we, we talked about for the first half of the season, it seems like. But, you know, he managed to get these guys kind of in shape. And the fact that they even still, if they don't make the playoffs, you know, if they, they fall a few points short, it's still an impressive accomplishment. And if they do let him go, I think, you know, there's going to be teams because the NHL is too too tired to, you know, try and hire somebody that wasn't just a head coach that just just got fired. I mean, he'd find a spot pretty quickly. So I, I, he, de- he deserves a lot of credit. I don't know if it saves his job or if it, if it deserves to. I think it's a good, there's a strong argument, but, you know, you have to appreciate what's ha- what this team has done since the deadline with, I mean, I think there's still like, I think a negative six total for uh, goals above replacement for the team. So, you know, they're, they're doing it. They're somehow doing it, but you know, you can also say that a lot of that credit, almost most of that credit, goes to UC Soros. So, Jeff, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different ways to look at it. See, we're going to look at it from a different way than Barry Trotz is going to look at it, and David Poyle are going to look at it. But um, you know, it's you want. I want to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because. Last year, last year the team had players that hit the the best marks we've ever seen um, from the Preds franchise point of view, um, and you know there is something to be said about that. And but but the problem is that this year it it's just been bad. Like there's there's more bad stuff than good stuff. And the only reason that the young guys are playing was not because John Hines advocated for them to come up here and he gave them all this great playing time and they were playing on the first power play and yada, yada, yada. It was because he was forced into that. And, you know, what he's done with the young guys is one thing to talk about. That's fine. If, you know, I think he's, you know, he's given them opportunities. He's he's put them in positions. You know, he's put Luke Evangelista with Tommy Novak and Alfred Sherwood, which I think was great. I think that's a good decision. And he's kept them together, which is the big thing, because we all know John Hines loves to shake up the lines. But I think none of this was because John Hines wanted it to be and something was stopping him. It was because... The hockey gods, the universe, whatever you believe in, made this happen. You know, <laughs> there are, there's so many different scenarios in which the Preds trade away guys and they keep a couple guys up, but they still have most of the people of you know before the trade the wow before the trade deadline. Um, you know they. It was. It wasn't an act of John Hines being like, "I want these young guys called up because I think they can make this team better." It was an act of, you know, whatever. Being we're going to have all of these guys go down with an injury, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to have a fun time, and it's going to be great because it's going to be a bunch of young, fast guys that are good at this hockey thing. Um, and I think it also it goes beyond the roster, right? Like I think, you know, penalty kill has been good. Definitely, definitely can see that, and that's that's. You know, it's, 
inarguable that it's been really good, but the defense this year has been abysmal. It's been mm-hmm. so hard to watch these guys play against really good teams that control the puck, and it's it's been frustrating because you know when it doesn't it doesn't seem like they really know what they're doing, um, or you know they kind of make things up as they go. And the the breakouts haven't been great. They don't enter the zone very well. Like I think it's I think it's much more than just the roster kind of doing its thing and just you know the vibes being it's it's a lot of kind of technical stuff with the way the team this roster plays and that's where you know they're they're winning games but it's not an active not an active coaching you know being excellent it's or or John Hines being you know kind of a guide for these young players to help them win games it's a lot of the goaltending bailing out a poorly coached team and that's what I would kind of say is I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Preds went back with him because he has one year left it's not like they signed him to like another three or whatever um, and as much as I hate to, to say it like nobody cares if if the Preds are playing bad if they win games then He's going to be back, and that's kind of the way it's been for a while. And I've talked about it before on the interwebs, and you know, a lot of people like like me and probably you, Brian, will see the the Canes having over twelve minutes of possession time to the Preds five, and be like, "This is a bad team that's being saved by goaltending." And people in the, with with the organization will be like. They won three nothing, so I think it just depends on which way you you view the game. Um, I think that's a big factor, and I think you know John Hines deserves a little bit of credit for sure, but I don't think it's close enough at all to be to warrant him coming back. Hmm. Brian, we'll end on this mm-hmm. with the predict the remaining schedule. What happens for the Preds? Win, loss, tie. Um, so forfeit because they've run out of bodies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, honestly, so I mean, it's hard to tell. And this is one of those where like, I hate making predictions or doing betting stuff because you just don't know what to expect with this team. Um, but just kind of how things are going, I fully expect them to beat Winnipeg four to one, probably have Mm -hmm. a really dominating game and then completely trip up and lose in regulation to Calgary. And then mm. maybe split the series with the Wild in Colorado. So let's say that they get they get four four out of eight points, maybe five. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough, but I think that if they're going to lose to either Winnipeg or Calgary, that the Calgary is the better option. It's not great either, but it's a better option. Um, but I just that's how I kind of expect it. I mean, I don't. I could be wrong. They may fall flat in both these games because these that you know those two teams are also like Nashville playing for their playoff lives. And, you know, but I think that Nashville has shown they can beat. I mean, they've beaten Boston in the last two, two and a half weeks. They've beaten Boston, the best team in the league. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, which I believe they're second in the league right now. Um, let me take a look and make sure. I don't Hurricanes are second. Devils yeah, are Hurricanes third. Are, I think it's yeah. first. And they've beaten the Devils. And they've beaten yes. Vegas. Um, you know, so they can they can do it you know they can they can pull this off and it's going to be on uc soros obviously uh kevin lincoln and i believe is probably going to get one more start i think on this season just for the fact that uh, i think the last series the last two games minnesota colorado are back-to-backs 
So depending on where they are, you'll see UC in probably the more important game at that point. Um, but yeah, I'd say five points. Uh, that's just me being conservative, though. I mean, I've said that I didn't think they'd win the last two games, and they went out and did it. So who knows? Interesting. Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it would be such a Predators thing to do to lose both games to Winnipeg and Calgary and then beat Minnesota and Colorado. Like, I feel like that would be such a predator, a 2022-23 Nashville Predators thing to do is, like, lose to the teams you're competing with and then beat two of the best teams in the Central and the West. They're definitely um, a play-up to their competition team. Yes. Um, yeah, somewhat. Some, sometimes. plays up to his comp- the competition. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think... I think they, I think Brian's right. I think they I think they lose to one or two uh, one of the, one of the two of Winnipeg and Calgary. I think I think they beat Winnipeg and lose to Calgary. Um, Calgary's been you know they've been really good lately. Winnipeg has been okay. Is Calgary um, still icing a a top six? Um, oh gosh, what is his name now? I can't believe I just got, was getting ready to, to roast him and I completely forgot his name. Um, uh oh. Uh oh, you know who I'm talking about? He's like. Do I? Yes, um, I'll co- come back to me. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, I interrupted uh, you. No, 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 it's okay. Um, yeah, I think they lose to Calgary. Um, I think, you know, maybe... I could see the Winnipeg game going to overtime, to be honest. Um, I, I think they lose to Colorado. I think I think they beat Minnesota, but I think they lose to Colorado. Um, okay. No, Lucic is now on the fourth line. So. Okay, yeah. I was, I was going to guess Lucic. I was going to yeah. guess Lucic. Yes, they are still playing him, and he makes all of us fans, media, we all want to die. Uh, he's he's just... He's not very... Uh, I, I, like, I think he provides something that not a ton of players can provide, but while he does that, he's also not good with the puck he did have a snipe the other night against anaheim that well the other night like last week against anaheim that won them the game um and uh or we're i think it tied the game um but yeah him that fourth line yeah it's it's a whole bunch of guys that flames fans are not too fond of other than walker doer who is awesome he's like so fun he he reminds me of tanner Janot to be honest he's not 20 goals but he's he's so fun so um, just to, to for context if you guys aren't familiar with watching the flames lucic is out of the out of like 60 players between nashville and calgary um they've got 50 50 minutes or more of time on ice this season uh lucic is 57th out of 60 in goals above replacement sitting at a negative 3.3 just above tyson berry and above mike uh, mikhail granlin and jeremy lazan so i mean he's down below you know tanner Janot, troy stetcher Rasmus Asplund. I mean, this is, he's like... Troy Stetcher is fun. I love Troy Stetcher. He's so good. Uh, Cole Smith... Defensively, he sucks, but... Cole Smith sits at 44th. Lucic is at 57th. So, Predators fans, be thankful. It could be much worse. (laughs) It could be. You could also be paying Milan Lucic $5.25 million to be that bad. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in the Calgary Flames. I know you watch them more than I do, but I think I think they need they need the best stretch of hockey that Jacob Markstrom has played all year. Mm-hmm. That is what that is that is how they're going to get into the playoffs. Is only if Jacob Markstrom allows them into the playoffs. I mean, luckily their competition isn't too hard, but yeah, they the they 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 just don't have you know they don't have a Mark Shifley. They don't have a Kyle Connor, but 
Jacob Markstrom at his best is really freaking good at hockey. And, um, you know, Tyler Toffoli's been great. Um, Michael Backlund's really good. I wish mm-hmm. Daryl Sutter would play Jacob Pelche, but he won't because he's Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. Um, Walker Dewar has been the energy that they've needed. Um, Walker Dewar is not a real name. I'm still, I still <laughs> refuse to believe that's a real person. He's, he's so fun. Brian, you would love him. Like you watch a Flames game, and and look out for him because he does everything. He he's so fun. He's he has he he has made himself into one of he has made himself into a fav, a fan favorite. Like he's been everything that the bottom six is needed in terms of energy, and he can score. He he forechecks really hard. Like he's so fun. I could go on and on. I was gonna he's say great. He's, he's he's excellent at even strength offense, and then dead average in everything else. Yes, yes. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of like that kind of how Tommy Novak is. We're like he's having one hell of a season, but if you look at his, you have to you have to expand uh, the axis uh, looking at his RPM charts because his defense is like the bottom seven like, percent of, yeah. of the league. But he's still like excellent on offense, and you're just kind of like that's why UC Saros is there, I guess. So yeah, um, yeah. But it's, yeah, anyway. it's going to be interesting. Winnipeg, you know, I think one last thing on that is Winnipeg has struggled. If you look at comparisons about how the goaltenders have done, like the top five or so right now in the league, um, you know, the top four, including Vasilevsky, uh, Olmark, and Sorokin, like they all have gotten stronger over the over the last two months. UC Saros actually leads everybody in the last two months uh, with goals saved above expect- expectation. But Vasilevsky, I think he's only like improved his total by like three goals above expected. So, I mean, he and the Jets have been wildly inconsistent this last stretch of games and uh, less, I mean, more inconsistent than the Predators even. And so, you know, that's another thing I think Nashville can use their advantage. I mean, they were, you know, they were a little bit away from from winning that last matchup. I mean, the two losses were both in overtime and then they, they won one. So, you know, this isn't a team that's head and shoulders better than the Nashville Predators. I mean, I, I just really don't think so. Um, but all I know is, is if the Nashville Predators end up making the playoffs, I get the strong feeling that three, all three of those teams are going to have a new coach next year, even, even John Hines. It's just kind of how it is. Because if Winnipeg and, Cal- I mean, Winnipeg and Calgary have had so many chances to just pull away in this race, like completely make it so Nashville's a non-factor, and they just refuse to do it. And, you know, Nashville was within eight points, within six points, within four, within two, like... They just they keep doing it, and uh, you know, I, if I'm if I'm a Winnipeg or Calgary fan and they don't make the playoffs, like I'm pissed um, because there's no reason. I mean, again, like you should be able to get in the playoffs over the Nashville Predators in this state, but they Daryl Daryl Sutter has to be out. Like, there's, oh, if, there's you, no if you were to if you were to pick one coach, it's Daryl Sutter, and it's not even close. He's he's been awful this year, like just <laughs> flat out terrible. Um, I could go on and on, but yeah, he's yeah, I've never he's heard the one coach that. Him. Well, two Stanley Cups, but other than that, yeah. Oh well, I'm talking about this, <laughs> this Flames season. team has this Flames team is clearly checked out on him, and uh, yeah, it's it. He needs to go. Um, but yeah, it, it. I agree. I think feasibly, I think I think there's very much a chance that next year all three of these teams have different head coaches. <laughs> yeah, mm. which would be fun. I'd love that. It'd be very funny. Brian, as we wrap up here on this Friday, gloomy. Friday afternoon. What can the good folks check out from you and the team over on the four check and Renegades of Puck this week? 
Yep. So new site has been going, going strong uh, today. Uh, got out a complete playoff picture update. So given tons of information, more than I'm going into here. So give that a check, uh, a look. That's you know you can see everything that's going to you know what can affect all the playoff chances, things like that. Um, that'll be coming out. I'm going to be working a collaboration on. Uh, really solidifying and make, starting our campaign for, for UC Soros to win the Vesna Trophy. So there'll be something probably on Monday about that. Um, I do also want to take, uh, take some time to look at uh, Cody Glass. Uh, he has been tremendous. I think fourth best you know, goals above replacement on the team. Uh, I think the only thing that he has a negative impact in is, is drawing penalties. So, hmm. I mean, he's, he's having one hell of a year. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, but by the time you guys watch this show um, next week, uh, we'll record it the day of the final game of the season. So we'll have, we mm. might have a pretty decent idea of where Nashville stands by then. But after that, we're either going to be previewing the playoffs or talk, previewing the Admirals in the playoffs because they'll have two more regular season games. And uh, either way, it'll be fun. I am looking forward to being able to focus on Milwaukee kind of full time. I think that'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, I had a blast last year doing it, so uh, yeah, it's keep an eye out. I, you know, who knows? I don't know when the season's going to end. I thought that I was safe taking a taking a couple days to go out of town uh, in the first week of the playoffs, but that's what happens when you make plans. There you go, uh, Jeff. What about you, Pinstripe Valley? You're doing that uh, well, yeah. because I don't know. I guess battery power wasn't taking any more applications, or <laughs> you know, just I just confused like Brian <laughs> with the Cowboys. I I don't know what happened there, but um we all can't be perfect with atlanta and nashville so uh and the university of tennessee mm-hmm. uh great alumni base uh, yeah uh, vanderbilt yeah. yankees woof woof who's your I, nfl I, team I, and this I'm is not even me. Okay. This is i'm, I'm, I'm nashville i'm nashville other than my dad's from new york um my oh, grandpa there you go. okay that's, my grandpa that's fair. yeah then you're in my i'm a third generation yankees fan yeah okay so yeah. we'll allow it. So now I'm just saying I'm thinking of like the average Vanderbilt fan or student or something like that. I can see them all being like, yeah, we love the Yankees. But are mm. you a Duke fan, too? No. Oh, OK. Just no. making sure. Because no. usually that 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 kind of holy that that, uh, you know, the four teams are the Yankees. Yeah. The, you know, Duke basketball. I was going to say my favorite college coach, Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. Well, no, and then I'm a Cavs fan for basketball. So why? Because my grandma's from Ohio, and Kyrie Irving was what got me into the NBA. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie, 2011, Kyrie Irving. So, in in a sense, I'm connected mm-hmm. to Duke basketball that way, but I, mean, I don't I, care about Duke I basketball. Guess, I guess that's I can say the same thing because like one of the big reasons I'm as into hip hop as I am because of you know 2005 Kanye West. So <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes you don't don't ever meet your heroes, right? <laughs> yeah. Not no more interviews, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't want to know more about you. Just <laughs> in case. No more. Oh no. Jake. I don't think I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal could do wrong. I think he could do don't whatever. Don't say he that, Brian. No, this is man, how it happens. Cool. He's too cool. All takes exposed. Uh, and it might happen. Don't do it. Taylor Swift tried to go after him. She tried. I don't even know anything about that drama. They I dated. don't want to know. Yeah, I know they dated, but I don't want to. Yeah, I think one yeah. of the songs is about Jake, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and also, I did mm. want to mention really quick is be on the lookout this week because uh, Peter Laviolette might be back on the uh, open market for as a head coach because the Capitals are eliminated. Uh, you hate to see it. Uh, sarcasm heavily implied there. <laughs> um, and I just got somebody on Twitter saying, and I always get a kick out of a writer who bags on the coach who has been to the cup with three different teams. Recline your armchair, Brian. So that's good. 
Um, yeah. I, can still ro I can roast Laviolette. He does have a very good resume, something that I don't think anybody else, any other coach has done. Could he be the next coach of the Preds? God, don't even joke <laughs> about that. What is it? You know, who's, is it, uh, what's his name? Michael Clark Duncan? Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> could you imagine they're like, yeah, we're going to get Barry Trotz, but also we're going to go back and go get Peter Laviolette. Mm -hmm. We're throwing it back oh. to the good old days, We're going to go back and remember some dudes. Yeah. I don't want to remember some dudes. I don't <laughs> want to. I don't remember any of the dudes now, and it kind of rules. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think we all just want uh, Tommy Novak, player coach. Um, Jeff, <laughs> Brian, thank you as always, and I will talk to you all next week. See ya. All right, we're back. Land of Sports, guys. Garrett Chapman, 99 The Game, is here. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Fantastic. Glad to get back on the horse, man. It's been a minute. It's been a few weeks. Garrett's yes. a world traveler. Been He's... around the block. The man goes on one birthday trip and never comes back. Also <laughs> here of Rolling Out, Rashad Milligan. Rashad, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Happy belated, Chase. Happy belated. Almost oh. belated. Almost belated. April 18th. We're not there yet. Happy early. <laughs> See, like, this is what happens when you join in late in the studio and you hear like the end of a conversation and you're like, I'm going to get ahead of this. Ooh, you went ahead. Chase, really... are we excited for, for, uh, for the next birthday? Or are they just more of the same? I mean, they are definitely more of the same, yeah. especially in your 30s. Like it's, uh, it, it's more of the same. But I like being in my 30s. Getting older, I've enjoyed getting older every year. Like I've enjoyed, there will be a time where I'm sure I'm like, Hey, slow down. Like I'm actually done aging. Like we're good. Like we don't need to go past this. I, I I'm good, but thirties is good. I like thirties. It's kind of where I am 30s. right now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Just like I don't miss my early twenties at all. I don't miss any early twenties. No late yeah. mid twenties a little bit. Mid twenties were exhausting. A lot of nights, not a bounce back that would uh, not be a part. Not like, I don't even know. Like we were talking, my wife and I were talking about this the other day where it's like, the ability to just go hard till four or five a.m. and then just hop up and go to work and just yeah. it's like nothing. That's so far gone. Like that's not a possibility. Like that's just like I think about that and I'm like I I'm physically sick. Thank we you did St. Patrick's Day for my birthday. It was St. Patrick's Day yeah. and I think I was hungover for two days. Like yeah. it was. It's we, gonna be three in your thirties. You can't do it. Like your body cannot handle it anymore. I'm not in my thirties yet, so eh. you're almost there. Eh, I'm. I got a minute. I got a minute. What do you mean it's, you got the minutes like are dwindling? Right? The minutes are dwindling. But yeah, you're, you're in the back end here. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the back nine. I get, I'm, yeah. I'm coming up to hole 18. Rashad, so, how old are you? 28. Okay, so y'all are the same age. Yeah. Ooh, well, there you go. Uh, 30s are good. Don't be afraid of 30s. Now, 40s Just a number. kind of scare me Fine. a little bit. 40s kind of scare 40s me. are scary. 40s are yeah. objectively scary. Yeah. Well, there you go. 15-year high school. Then you're getting your midlife crisis. I'm, I'm still in my quarter life crisis. My 15-year high school reunion is next year that I will not be Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's crazy. That's crazy. Re reunions are the craziest thing, I think, of aging. Yeah, reunions yeah. are wild. That's a wild place to be. I went to, I went to my five-year high school reunion. It was the, what, 2019, November of 2019 is when we actually did it. You guys must have really Weird place to do a five-year. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't... Uh, uh, they, they were a close-knit community. Mine was, I, They're looking for <laughs> donations, basically. That's what they want. <laughs> uh there you go because it's like nothing's changed like i graduated college oh i graduated college i graduated wow, college all right okay. great cool awesome like uh, congratulations all around um first now they're thing, kids and stuff it's weird yeah well it, it's gonna get more as you get older it's gonna get weirder when I don't think it's older. worse 
and they're just talking and they're like just yeah no uh that's a weird part of it too when they're like in first grade N- never mind uh braves week one <laughs> biggest takeaways garrett uh this team is really good mm. really good it's a strong like, take that nah, sorry not really a hot take i guess mm. um that and they're not healthy i mean it's like the two biggest things i mean we knew this team was gonna be really good i mean this this lineup is just Un, it's just incredible. But what I don't like to see is Michael Harris getting hurt. He just got added mm-hmm. the uh, the injured list. Joining Max Freed, Tyler Matzik, Kyle Wright, who else? Colin McHugh, uh, Rysel Iglesias. Team needs to get healthy. I mean, it's. I'd rather it happen now when this like when they're just starting to get going and and everything else. I mean, that's okay. We have tons of time on the back end to fill everything out and figure things out. But and there's small stints. Like there's nothing major necessarily. But look, this team stay healthy and this team can win a world series. Like that's just, we, that's all you've seen everything you need to see. Basically it's good pitching. Uh, the bullpens just it picked up where it left off for the most part. Last night was kind of not great, but um, Kirby Yates left a little bit to be desired, but look, this team never says die. It's still really, really young and it's really, really talented. So the, this, the sky's the limit for this team. Rashad, why the Braves are actually bad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. I, I, think, I think if anything, <laughs> if anything that it kind of concerns me, uh, in addition to to the injuries and stuff, it is like the long term effects of no Dansby. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because like right now, obviously, like everything is going well with the bad. Everybody's like, "Who's Dansby?" And like I saw that so much. And obviously, I'm I'm a bit biased. You know, that, that's my guy and stuff. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think Dansby's. One of the more talented defensive shortstops of his generation, and like they, you might need that down the line. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, that, what if that, they? That's something I'm concerned about. Charlie Culberson's here. So what if you just put seven on Charlie Culberson, and they look almost identical? Just put him in the clubhouse and just tell him everybody that it's Dansby, and he can just fill that leadership role without actually going out in the field. Like just yeah, he can be Mount Pew. It's not the defense. Is like, I mean, it's yeah. not the uh, leadership. Like I said, it's a defense. It's a glove. Mm-hmm. Like think about how many big catches Dansby made last season, and you know, down the stretch. I mean, not that it mattered that much. It, it didn't win, but um, I mean, like he's he's a big time player. Like he's one of the best in the game on that side of the field, and that's like one of the things that people don't you know really discuss all all that often because you know his bat is so inconsistent. Um, so I mean, I feel like you have. You know, you replace that with the inconsistent bat, so you're not missing much at the plate. But, like, on the other end, when we get to September, when we get to August, like, are the Braves going to be filling that void? I also – this is probably bigger, like, just not a big deal yet, but I don't like the line of construction at the top. Like, I love Acuna. I don't like that he has the weird thing with having to bat lead off. Like, I would rather him be at number two. Michael Harris getting hurt kind of throws what I would prefer anyway, because I would prefer Michael Harris to be the, the long-term leadoff solution there, just to always have him be a OBP guy on base. He's fast. Like, I just, I don't like Acuna to Matt Olson, where it's just, I, I Matt Olson is going to have like a 40% K rate like all year long. I think it's like near 50 right now. He is home run or strikeout uh, over and over again. And I love Matt Cottage Jersey, but Parvey alum, but I don't like him at the two hole. I wouldn't move those around. I, but I look at this lineup. I'm like, I don't actually know what I would do here. Like, I don't know who I would flip it. It's just Michael Harris is probably my answer. And then you move Acuna to one. I mean, but he won't do it. So you put Michael Harris at two, probably leave Acuna at one and maybe slide Matt Olson to four and keep Austin Riley at third. 
I just I don't like the long term idea. I just think you're throwing stuff away when you have Matt Olson and Acuna because I think they could be driving in more if you move them around and put one more on base speedster guy uh, above them. And I, Michael Harris has always just fit the fit the fit the mold the most for me. Is that overthinking it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think you are. Yeah, <laughs> look, once once you get through your first at bat, like your first, once you turn over the lineup, it doesn't matter as much. Mm. Objectively, it doesn't matter as much. You get to the point where I want to see my best player get the most at bats. And that's Ronald Acuna. And I want to see him at the plate as much as possible. And Matt Olson's also turning in a, he's, he may be, he's like an early favorite for the MVP. We're one weekend. We're one weekend. I'm not going to say anything yet. I think Matt Olson could very well finish like top five in the MVP, MVP voting. Matt. Yes. Absolutely, you could. He's one of the biggest benefactors of the the elimination. He might not be shift. a top five most important gonna, grade right now. He's going to he's going to increase his his uh, his offensive output just with the elimination of the shift. Yeah. Uh, if the early season is any indication, if spring training is any indication, like the elimination of the shift is going to do pay massive dividends for him. But um, Ronald Acuna is a leadoff batter. Ronald Acuna is an elite leadoff batter. He's probably the best in Major League Baseball, right up there with Mookie Betts. Um, I love him in that spot. I think he's fantastic. I mean, I don't you know start out him. a game. Yeah. You start out a game where you can't miss your pitch. You can't miss a single pitch on your first at bat. Yeah, you can't because it, like that, and that puts a pitcher in a tough spot. So having that at the top of your lineup is in. It's the envy of of Major League Baseball, and I, I don't know why you would really want to do anything with that. Um, I think it's perfect. I, I love it. I, Long term, having Michael Harris there, I think makes sense. Um, just as Ronald ages a little bit and loses a little bit of that athleticism or whatever, but Michael Harris is great. Maybe long-term putting him in the two spot once he starts to develop a little bit more power and consistency. I think that'd be great. Um, but I really like where Michael Harris is right now in that five, six, seven range. That's really good. Um, Austin Riley is going to live in the three. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be your three hole hitter for the next decade. Uh, Matt Olson, somebody who can move around a little bit, two or four, both work. I mean, yeah. the Braves won a World Series with Freddie Freeman batting second. No one talked about his speed. Well, he wasn't striking out 40% of the time. No, no. But Matt Olson isn't striking out nearly as much this year as he uh, Well, he's he's making Hold contact. On. Yes, with he is. He has 12 Ks already. He's making contact with the ball. He's, he's going to strike out a lot. He's going to strike out a lot. I mean, right but, now, his K percentage is the highest it's ever been in his career. Well, he had 2020, he was 31%. That's what Austin last year was 24%. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You get, we'll see. You he's get, hitting the ball. Like when he's making contact, base. he's great. His WRC plus is 200 makes, at this point. Yeah, if he he's makes just, contact with the ball, that's a run on the board. Yeah. Automatic. And because look, he's a part of you guy. That pedigree is different. He's scoring from first. That part of you pedigree is different. Best baseball <laughs> program in the. I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with you, Chase. I'm on the uh, traditional side of like, you know, yeah, the speedy guys who are going to get on right? base up at the top of the lineup. Then three, four, like three, you have your best hitter. Four, you have the power guy. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it just feels better to me. Keep it traditional, man. Like, yes. where's Juan Pierre? All sexy and like, just keep it traditional, man. Yeah, where's Juan Pierre? Where's Scott? Not Bissette in the Nick? age of, but not in the age of the designated hitter. Not in the age where I mean, like, you can turn over your lineup and be just fine. Once you go through the first time, that nine eight nine hole, hole hitter is just as important. Nate McLeod because you need that speed on this. that back end. If they get on base, that's one of the reasons the Braves won hundred one games last year. Is because they got the speed at the back end of the lineup, and then when it turns over. You're, you're getting base knocks and you're hitting all those guys in. And look, you have a healthy Ozzy Albies. Don't forget Ozzy. I think Ozzy would be an elite two-hole hitter. He'd be fantastic. I love him in the five. I think he's perfectly suited for the five. But 
I, I think a perfect world he can hit the two. I, I, yeah. like, I like Michael leading off and then Ozzy at the two. And then yeah. uh, you can go, yeah, like you said, Riley at the three still. Four, you have Olsen. Five, you have – oh, that's kind of low for Acuna. I guess. Uh, what would be Acuna? Well, well, now, well, now I'm like confused. Who would you have leading off? Michael Harris? I have Michael Harris leading off Ozzy at the two. No, absolutely not. And then Riley at the three. Olsen at the four, and then no, like I said, <laughs> no, five. You're robbing at bats from your best player. I know, I know, but I was thinking, I was like, when I said that out loud, I was like, it's got to be Albies who goes back down. It's just Harris and Acuna. I want or, to or, what, what, what if you put Acuna at the three and then, um, Ooh. and then Austin at the five? I put Matt Olsen at the five before Austin. I would keep Riley's gonna be a three hole hitter for the rest of his yeah. career. The answer is Michael Harris. Let's not overthink it. One, Michael Harris at two. You're already overthinking. Acuna. Uh, Ronald Acuna is the best leadoff ba- batter in baseball. Why, why mess with a perfect You don't day? like it. Oh. Not the baseball we oh. grew up with. Because he can hit home runs. Yeah. You know, yeah. guys are supposed to hit home runs. Like, I would rather cool. hit, home home runs hit home runs with another man on base. The game. If he hits home runs, he also gets on base. I want I want him on base. Like the dude, the dude is a machine when he gets on the base path. He's mm-hmm. he he legitimately is going. He's going to go for 40-40 this year. Like he's going for 40, 40. Why would you want that anywhere other than your leadoff spot? Hmm. Like, That's okay. I don't hate Acuna at the top. I would just rather move I down a little bit. I, and we're also put. talking about that. This is, this also speaks to where the Atlanta Braves are right now. Yeah. We're, we're fiddling with something. Well, I mean, we could fiddle with it and may, maybe make it a little bit better, but the Braves lineup is so damn good. Like this is, this is the best lineup. I think the Braves have ever had. It has to be. You have a healthy Ronald Acuna, a healthy Ozzy Albies. Then you have Austin Riley. You have Travis Darno, who leads Major League Baseball in hits. He's batting in your five spot. Like, well, that's probably not sustainable. Uh, Azuna's well, we'll still see. getting at bats. Batting yeah, we'll see. But the thing, the point is, it's like Travis Darno is just that's just gravy at this point. Mm. And then you're going all the way down the line. Like this, this lineup is stacked, man. It is stacked, top to bottom, and you can get roasted. I mean. This this team had a walk off last night where we had the we got guys on base and, and and won the game. Not a single one of your top hitters hit. Yeah, all of that was done in the back half. Every bit of it. This this team this lineup is stacked. We're ready to go. There you go. Uh, speaking of ready to go, I am ready for DeAndre Hunter to go out of. <laughs> Out of Atlanta, so Rashad, in our other uh, Atlanta group chat here, there's a war going on, and this is you're going to be the perfect guy to to settle this right now. I have my opinion, which is uh, DeAndre Hunter, who is turning 30, uh, 36. 20, he has the body of a 36-year-old. He's turning 26 next year for this season. He uh, has missed a lot of games again. He's going to get right up around the 50 to 60 mark. So shout out to another uh, lost season there. Guy you can count on each and every year. Then you've got Jalen Johnson. And if I hear one more, Jalen Johnson's the long-term answer to the four, shooting 26% from three and having two games where he doesn't look scared like a deer in headlights. I'll, I'll, I'll do that to LeBron James Jr. Thank you. No, I will. Because Jalen Johnson is no LeBron James Jr. Uh, he's Ben Simmons Jr., man. He's he's next up. He's not Ben Simmons Jr. Jalen Johnson is a borderline not NBA player. Don't do he that. He's a don't borderline. Do you can't do that. You can't do that to Jalen. We are not. You could do that to DeAndre Hunter. You can't. No, DeAndre do that. at least has shown stuff. When DeAndre's healthy, he's a good player. Exactly when he's healthy. 
Jalen Johnson has never been a consistent good player. You go through the numbers up and down the line. Like what? One month to to pull off of of consistent even minutes? No, but here's the thing. We have better options, and this is where the other options lead in. The long-term answer at the three and the four in Atlanta is already here too. It's AJ Griffin, who has the best efficiency of anyone on this team. He has had the biggest winning impact of any player this season. I was going through all the advanced metrics and you watch the game. It's like, no, AJ's good. AJ's long. He was fouling a lot in the game on Chicago. But that dude is, he's long. He's not afraid to shoot. He can glide. I think he's going to get to the rim. His shot's good. I can, I trust his shot. He's not afraid to shoot. He's a long-term option at the three. At the four, Sadiq Bay. what he provides spacing with Capella and Yeka. It's just, he is the other guy. Like, it's him and AJ. Those are your long-term three and fours. I think Sadiq is like two years younger than DeAndre Hunter. Like, we just think because he got traded that he's older than he is. No, Sadiq Bay is a young player. Sadiq is someone who would feast in this four-out system that Quinn Snyder uh, perfected in uh, Utah. That's what I want. Like, I want Sadiq Bay in the corner where he's just going to feast. Clint Capella and Yeka switching at the five. And then AJ Griffin continuing to develop his all-around game as the long-term answer at the three. Jalen Johnson, should he be in the league? Many are wondering, should he be on the Atlanta Hawks or should he be on the Skyhawks of College Park? Maybe that is where he belongs. Chase, you're a hater, man. Jalen's not good. that hater aid. Jalen had a fun night. Like I enjoyed it was the a Bulls fun game. night. I mean, I, I'm he's not. not I'm it. not rolling with the. <clears throat> I'm not rolling with the long term option necessarily. I think that can't in a perfect it. world he could be. I mean, maybe if he continues to develop and looks better, he's looked better under Quinn Snyder. He's looked a lot better under Quinn Snyder. Um, let's not. He's playing free and loose. He wasn't playing free and loose before, <clears throat> but he is now. And I think if he's that guy who can just get out and run. He's a great player. He can be a great player. He's a better defender than than uh, uh, Sadiq Bay is. I mean, like, I don't know about that. Uh, I'd say I'd say he's he longer. Side. He's longer. He has a much he higher jumps passing lanes. Like he's active. He's Look, aggressive. We drafted a raw player mm-hmm. in Jalen Johnson. He was a raw player. Let's see what Quinn Snyder can do. I'm not ready to to dub him the future, and I'm also far far from ready to to dub him a draft failure. I mean, I don't, I don't think, think that's it's a failure. I just don't think he's a he's a. I don't think he's a core guy. I think everybody well, that's you just fine. look at certain guys. Look, is core not guys. I don't think he's a core guy. guy. Not everybody has to be a core guy. Yeah. Kevin Herter wasn't a core guy. I might disagree on that one. Maybe you can disagree, but they obviously they obviously yeah. didn't. And and look, I mean, this team is there. There can only be so many core guys. Not everybody's the Atlanta Braves, where everybody's a core guy and they lock up all the best players. Yeah, like, it's like the Atlanta Hawks. You're a, you have a finite amount of resources. You have probably at max three max players, and then the rest are role Wait, players. Who's the third of like elite championship teams? Wait, hold no, on. I'm, no, saying, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the Hawks. I'm oh, I was going to say I was like, I'm who is the third max player here? Level teams. Yeah. Mm. You have two, maybe three max players. The rest mm. are role players. They have a job. Jalen Johnson can be a guy who can come in and have a job. I'm yeah. not saying he has to be a, an elite LeBron James-esque player who's going to lead you to a championship. No, he can just be a role player off the bench, and that's fine. Well, like, see, I'm, now you're backing off. You said no. Well, I, I wasn't on. the one who said it. I said, you were agreeing. I, said on a, I would love it. I would love it. I think it'd be yeah. great. And based off of what we saw, he flashed the potential. And he's still what, 19 years old? 20? Jalen? No, Jalen's yeah, got to be at least he? 21. He's 21. Is, is he? He's not 21. He's got to be 21. He's a kid. He's a second-year pro. 
He is 21 years old. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I guess he just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah, but he's second-year pro. He's a second-year mm-hmm. pro, and he's still extremely young, and he's still pretty raw. And he's going to continue to develop. Let's see what he can do year three, first full year of Quinn Snyder, and then we can judge him on, on whatever his merits are. Yeah, I just – Role like players fine. A lot. A role, I love AJ. Role players play in the NBA for 15 years. That yeah. doesn't mean you had to go play for the Skyhawks. Well, there's a lot of role players in the Skyhawks. Potential role. Yeah, players there are Skyhawks. a lot of role players in my local rec basketball league. But look, that doesn't. I think mean... Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson can be the one-two punch. I think they'd be a great mark. starting. Th- those two starting, fantastic. Sign me up. Jalen Johnson off the bench. Let's do it. Yeah, he's cheap, and he's off the bench. That's fine. I'm yeah. okay with that. He's big and he's athletic, and he's got length, and he can play defense. This team doesn't play a lot of defense. Hmm. Jalen can do a little bit better. Rashad. Oh, he's not in right now. He is not in the mode. I was going to ask. I think him he's that. distracted. <laughs> he is a little distracted. Um. Oh, I just never mind. Um. Garrett. Oh. <laughs> oh well. Falcons free agency. Your yeah. favorite signing, and then your least favorite signing. Hmm. Least favorite signing. Mm. Well. If I had to say least favorite signing, it's just Jesse Bates, but it's be- I love Jesse Bates. I think it's fantastic. Is it least favorite? It's just the money. It's expensive. Hmm. It's really expensive. Um, but that also speaks to the quality of what we're getting right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's great. I mean, you're looking at uh, before I tell you my favorite, which is I think pretty obvious. Um, I don't think it's obvious. I you can go it's pretty obvious. Clyde Campbell is my favorite. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm oh. just going to eliminate it. I love it. I think it's Anamata. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I mean, look, this is this is what happens. You have money to spend. You yeah. have a, you have a team that can think can go out and and go get good players, you know. And, and they've bolstered their front. They've uh, they've secured and brought back some offensive players that I really liked. Caleb McGarry had a great year last year. Hmm. They were patient. They didn't overpay. They didn't panic when he hit the free agent market. They let him sit, and they got him on a team friendly deal for three years. Perfect. Hmm. Masterclass from Terry Fontenot. Fantastic job. This team is in great shape. And and based off of some of the comments, and I'm going to move to my favorite, uh, Kalias Campbell, I think, is awesome. Not because mm. of what he's going to offer on the field, because if people want him to come in and, and get you seven, eight, nine, ten sacks, I think they're kind of fooling themselves. But what I do see from this defense is a very young unit, an, exp- an experienced unit. And when you go and find a guy who can come in and, and elevate your group in the locker room, I think that's a very valuable thing. Hmm. And you have a first-time defensive coordinator, full-time defensive coordinator, where he's the only one. He was a co-defensive coordinator with Ryan Nielsen at, when he was in New Orleans. You have a guy like that, and you go and bring in a just a defensive savant in Kalias Campbell, a guy who can really control a locker room. I think that's just such a valuable asset for the Atlanta Falcons. And um, I think he can come in, and I think he can contribute. Like they... At the end of the day, they didn't sign him just to, to be a, a locker room speech guy. Like that's not mm-hmm. what he's here. He's he's here because he can stop the run. But look, this team's going to be great. I think it's in great shape, and um, I'm very excited for the draft. I think there's one more signing, like one more veteran that we're going to bring in, but it's a kind of a wait and see, and, and kind of see position? how the draft falls. I, a lot of different. It just depends on how the draft falls. I could see mm-hmm. them bringing maybe a making another move for a wide receiver. I can see them making a move for a cornerback or a def- or an edge guy uh, or maybe a an offensive lineman of some sorts. Like Levitri, people forget Levitri, the, the left guard who was on the, the Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. 
they brought him in from the Titans like training camp hmm. to come in and play left guard. And he came in and just slotted right in. Didn't miss a start for the rest of the season. He was a great player. Um, that happens all the time. So I see one more of those types of moves. I see one more veteran coming in. I don't know who it is. I don't know what position it's going to be. We'll see. Um, but look, I, I just fantastic off season. They, they overpaid a little bit, I'd say for a few of those guys, but that's free agency. And that's just the nature of, of the business. And I think they got the right guys for the right price. Um, all things considered. And I think the Atlanta Falcons are a little bit closer to contending than a lot of people think. Yeah. I just, I'm curious to see if they're like, cause you bring back Lorenzo Carter, David yeah. Anamata, obviously familiar with the Saint system. I'm pretty excited about him and just giving Grady somebody else in the interior um, because they really have been thin there. Take on Graham is obviously back and we'll see what he looks like next year. He had a solid uh, season last year. Um, Clayus Campbell's going to be good. They're going to rotate. They're going to have dudes. I think you're going to be fine. I think Ellis is a good depth linebacker signing. Um, I think he's going to play a lot of snaps. He should help, but linebackers by and large just not as important on the defense as a lot of other positions. Like the Giants just had nothing at linebacker and they just made the playoffs. Um, I would like another depth signing at corner, but it, I get, like you said, it probably depends on how the draft goes. Yeah. Casey Hayward, what his health is like for the full off season. And if he's good to go, um, you're uh, asking a lot of him at this point at that second corner spot. If that's where, uh, I'm not a hundred percent confident that he's going to be ready to go. Gonzalez yeah. or one of these other top guys in the draft. I think Falcons can go get the best corner in the draft. Yeah. Eighth pick. And that's not super overpaying for a corner. And yeah. so, if you get the best guy and then you match him with AJ Terrell and then you have Casey Hayward as your depth guy, you're in mm-hmm. great shape. That's all. You're in great shape. Well, I think <clears throat> on the offensive side, like Matt Collins, I think it's going to be interesting, right? Like he's on a slot yeah. guy. He's just another red zone guy. He's huge. Sure. And I found out from the Raiders uh, reports, uh, Mitch Renz yesterday in the pod that he doesn't wear shoes. So like you're gonna see him, Garrett, this spring, this spring and summer, like around Flowery Branch. Just he's gonna be the dude walking around without any shoes. Like that's his deal. He doesn't wear. Why? I don't. It's very know. Phil Knight of him. Yeah, he doesn't wear anything. So I don't know how that kind works, but he apparently doesn't wear shoes. Could you imagine if somebody's? Have you ever been cleated before by a by, by somebody with football cleats on with the little metal tips? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I've been never with like an open, like Ugh. my just foot. Just I've had it with, with, a, with a clean on. Like I, I played when I was like a, when I played football. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have an offensive lineman. I, I once got I got held up or whatever. I got at the line of scrimmage and then I got at the guard or something was doing a drop step and, mm-hmm. and like dropped down and like crunched my foot. And I thought he broke my foot. Hmm. I, I had a I had a cleat on. Well, I broke my foot. You'll know if you broke your foot, Garrett. Well, no, I knew it broke my foot. I, I stuck it in an ice bath and, and I was fine. How are ice baths? They're coming back. Like they're getting they're nice. More I like an ice bath. They're, they suck when you're in them, but once your joints freeze, you're fine. I don't know if I can do it. First, Reach first, out a little bit. 120 seconds are, are pretty brutal. If you can make it through, if you can make it through uh-huh. the first 90 seconds, you're fine. And then after that, it's great. It's How awesome. long are you in it? five to ten minutes you can't no, no but once you're in once you're in for a little while and you and you lose uh, all sense of self and and mm. all of your demons are, are cast out of your body in the first 90 seconds you're in great shape after that i think it's fine it's actually kind of pleasurable after that because you're yeah. just numb and then you're like this is good you lose all mm. feeling 
<laughs> this is good. You lose all feeling. <laughs> well, I no, you just go numb completely. I think you and, just and blended ice baths get out, alcohol. And it, yeah. But you get out, and you can always feel if you drop down like an extra inch, uh-huh. it freezes this part too, and then you're like, ooh, but it doesn't bother you as much. Huh. But you get out, and there's like a line or wherever it is, there's like a hard line of where wherever it was, like the, the surface of the water. Mm. How did how did you guys get from uh, DeAndre Hunter? <laughs> you ever We're been in an ice pressed. bath, Say that again? Back. You ever been in an ice bath? Oh, ice bath. Cold uh, tub? Are you guys talking about like DeAndre Hunter's knees and he's like... <laughs> ice no, we're on the Falcons, man. <laughs> no. Oh, we talking about, y'all talking about the Falcons? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, I, I've never been in an ice bath before. I haven't either. It doesn't look like pleasant at all like I, i'm I telling you they, it helps for recovery it really does help with recovery if you're a runner i used to do it when i ran track and played football we had an ice tub we had a cold bath at my at my high school mm. i used to slide into that thing it's what well, i was telling chase it sucks for 90 minutes or 90 seconds 90 seconds and then after that you're fine but you it sucks like it sucks most people just don't like the extreme the people who like, quit quit within 60 seconds well, it's just like the saunas, like at the gym, like the people who the go in the saunas and just sit in there. And I'm like, I don't want to be baking like a chicken. Like, and I also don't want to be frozen in this bed. Like, can, Both are why really are we overthinking this, folks? There's a temperature. You take a shower every day. Like, you know the temperature. Like, you're good. Why Why mess with the good thing? If you're nervous system, man, I'm telling you. It's yeah, good for you. It's no. good for you. I'm t- Chat you, GPT, you get out of those, you get out of those AI, cold tubs and you feel nice. Ice baths. I'm going to ask ChatGPT if I should uh, take a cold bath. It's probably going to tell you, yeah. It wants to put us all in a cold bath and remove us from the equation. Like, let's just get rid of mankind. That's what it would prefer. Like, all of us just take long-term ice baths. Next thing we know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be walking down the street, butt naked, about to eliminate Sarah Connor. I don't know, man. I never saw those. You never saw Terminator? Never saw Terminator. Ooh, you're missing out, dude. Go check them out. It's not my thing. Just watch the first one. First one's great. No. It's good. I don't think it's going to happen. Not a Terminator guy. You can't How does it compare to Love is Blind seen? season four? You've never watched it. You've never watched no. it. You can't say you're not. I just, I'm not. That's cheating. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, well, there you go, guys. Uh, Garrett, what can the good folks check out from you over at the Dopey Millennials, 247 Sports, everywhere else this week? Uh, so we're a. W- eight days away from Georgia tech spring practice. So we got a lot coming on for there. Um, I think it's going to be a good spring. It's been a very good Mm. spring for the jackets right now. I mean, they're they're looking very good. Um, I think they're gonna be a much better football team, but uh, got a show on Sunday. We got Hawks coverage tonight, starting at seven o'clock on 92. game. It's gonna be a lot of fun, man. It's race to the plan. We're pretty much locked into that Tuesday eight, nine seed. So I, I think they can maybe win if they can win that one. Or seven eight game, matter. I should getting, say. Seven eight like, seed. The Bucks and the Celtics are waiting. Like it just doesn't really. No, no. Like I'm saying make it. Yeah. yeah, they'll make it. If they make it, I want to see what they can do in a seven can game they forfeit? series. Huh? I don't think it's good for the camaraderie. Like <clears throat> and Trey's. What? I don't think it's good for Trey to go through another four one loss to an elite Eastern Conference team. I don't think we one. do. I don't think it. I don't think it'd be as bad as it was last. It can't be as bad as it was last year. It absolutely can. Drew Holiday putting Trey Young in a blender. That is absolutely on the table. No, Trey, Trey, Trey usually cooks against Drew, though. Like, no, ironically, no. Like, that Drew's was one of the better Hawks. defenders in the league, and he's, like, taller than Trey. But Trey, like, does well against Drew every time. I don't know why, but hmm. historically speaking. As long as the Hawks don't get matched up with the Heat again, 
We're fine. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, we're fine. I'm not confident. <laughs> the, they just play so poorly against the Heat. We're so bad against the Heat. It's just the so Celtics definitely get in the Hawks out in five if they face the Celtics. If it's the Celtics, it's going to be ugly. I think they have a. They could take the. They, I think they could take the Bucks to six games. They they, they, they mm. match up well with Milwaukee. I think. Yeah. Or at least but, better than they do with Boston. Relatively speaking, I mean, look, let's get a couple home playoff games. See what we can do. I don't know. I'm not Go terribly Hawks. optimistic. Get a couple home playoff games. Let's get that gate revenue up. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. The Joe Johnson we'll slogan. What year is this? Gate revenue. That was like the whole thing. It's like you can't blow it up. Got Joe Johnson. He's bringing in the gate revenue. Zaza and company. That's just the gate revenue. I, I remember that being a common thing. Just like you don't understand the gate revenue. Financial flexibility. Yeah. Uh, Rashad, what about you over at Rolling Out Magazine? Yes. Uh, okay. If I'm trading for Jalen Brown and I'm the Hawks, uh-huh. DeJounte's on the table, DeAndre Hunter's on the table, John Collins is on the table. I think that's kind of like it. I mean, people were saying, what about trade for JB straight up? Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know what that does. Uh, but I have the one story I was really proud of. The last story I was really proud of was I did a thing on Tisa, Tisa Korean, and mm-hmm. he just did a, uh, a his last album was called Let Me Update My Status, where he did the entire Crank That Era, like Soldier Boy and stuff like that in 2023. It's like the best thing ever. And it's like a great comedic relief in a time where I feel like hip hop takes itself too seriously. So I did that album review last week. Uh, the other you story said 2003? I was like, uh, what did you say? 2023. No, 2023. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, 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 Shad, Garrett, thank you as always. Y'all have yourself a great weekend and I will talk to y'all next week. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're, um, pleasantness you're smart so i think i'm going to hear big things about you nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah